Hi, I'm Sarah Fry. Welcome to Patent Pod. A safe and supportive learning environment is crucial for students' development and success. Evidence-based practices from behavioral science are instrumental in providing a safe and supportive learning environment. Today, we will learn about the science of student behavior with practical applications from two globally recognized behavior analysis. I'm so excited to welcome you both here. Thank you, Dr. Polly Gavoni, and thank you, Anika Costa, for joining us. This is gonna be an amazing conversation. I don't know that I'm totally prepared for it. And I'd like for you just to give us a real quick what brings you to this table today? I, you have such storied careers. You work well together. Can you tell us a little bit about your your work in uh, behavioral science? Uh, well, uh, you know, a lot of behavioral analysts are working in schools, working with individual students, and we happen to take a different approach using the science. So we've done that work. We've worked with individual students and worked with teachers, but our approach is like a zoomed out approach where we use the science at an organizational level because what we feel like is if you're going to bring out the best in the students, you have to bring out the best in the educators. And if you're going to bring out the best in the educators, you got to bring out the best in the school leaders. And we go up the chain and we link those behaviors together. So when we do that, we can really have large change uh, across a school or a district or even a state. It's really about building capacity within those school teams. So, you know, helping classroom leaders, so the teachers, school leaders, helping them, supporting them coaching them and building those that the capacity within their teams uh, in their organization. So let's just start by, and, and it might be a little bit of a rhetorical question. Why is it important that we consider behavioral science? What, what do you have, uh, what, what are your, what's your big leave with this one message? If someone just happens to turn on this podcast and was like, well, I've been an educator for so many years, Okay, next. Keep them from going to next. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I need to look right in this camera right here, right? <laughs> it's all about behavior. All results require people behaving, right? And if we want to change a result, it requires people behaving more or less or differently. And there's a science of human behavior that helps to figure out why people aren't performing to a standard, or why they might be behaving this way, and how to arrange the environment that's going to get the best out of people. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to hit on that. That leads me to another question, especially when we think about um, maybe what comes out in a teacher's lounge or now even like in the, the breakout room in Zoom at a faculty meeting, if it's virtual. You were talking about behaving more, less, or differently. And I think maybe historically, the language has not been, not even positive, that neutral, because I feel like that's very neutral language. When we think about behavior, we really focus on fixing bad behavior or even worse, like fixing the problem child or the bad student. Can you help dispel those myths and help us switch some of our, our vocabulary and the way we speak about behavior? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's kind of reframing. It's really about thinking about the adult behavior in the room. Because we really often think, oh, we have to fix this learner behavior, this problem behavior that's occurring in the classroom. But really, we have to kind of zoom out and look at what's going on in the whole environment, but also what's going on with the adults in the room. So changing adult behavior and not just student behavior, because if you change adult behavior, you can change student behavior. Yeah. And, and I think reframing it from being bad behavior or bad students 
just behavior. You know, we can always mm -hmm. change behavior. We have people who are engaging in bad leadership, but they're not bad people. It's bad leadership. It's behavior. Leadership is about behavior. It's about the behavior of the followers, and this is how we can measure it. Mm -hmm. And so we got to take the judgment off and be like, you know what? When student is misbehaving, there's a reason. They're getting something out of it, right? They're getting some environment or environmental uh, impact from it. And like Anika likes to say, it's a communication, right? They're, they're telling us something. Behavior's so we put on, yeah, we put on our hat and figure out like, all right, uh, they're not maybe directly saying, here's why I'm misbehaving, right? But there's a reason for it. So what is the reason for that behavior and how can we change the environment? Like sometimes a kid's wanting something, right? And they're not engaging in the right behavior to do that. So what might the teacher do more or less or differently to be able to allow that student to get what they need using the right behavior, the, mm -hmm. a behavior that's conducive to that environment? But again, it's just not about that student's behavior. It's zooming up and thinking about, that teacher's behavior performance. When we start looking at performance, we're talking about behavior and results under certain conditions, right? And we have to make that, that we have to make those links up the chain. Mm -hmm, that's right. And again, behavior is communication. And that person just might not know what else to do. So the teacher might not have the tools okay. to know what to do, how to support that student in changing their behavior. And so they fall on bad habits or, you know, what they know. And so that's the idea, getting them in touch with what they need to do, giving them some tools and some supports so they can support the student. Now, what we found is that we actually, when we go in, we look through, we look at performance through a performance diagnostic checklist, this, this lens that tells us if somebody's not performing to a standard, and this can go for students as well, mm -hmm. it's either it can't do or it's a won't do, right? I'd like to say don't do because won't seems like people are you know refusing, but really it's a skill deficit or motivational deficit. And how you approach behavior is, is very important to understand the reason. If somebody can't do something, well, it doesn't matter what you put in the environment, they don't have the skills to do it. So we have to train them up, right? If they teach won't, them what to do. Right, and if they won't do it, then we have to arrange the environment in a way that's going to increase motivation. Are, you know, do, are we asking them to do too many things? Are they getting feedback? Are they seeing the impact of the environment, uh, their behavior on the environment? Is the feedback you know, too much correcting misbehavior uh, or performance issues as opposed to reinforcing the right performance issues? So all those pieces of the puzzle are, are really important. Or sometimes they're not doing it just because they're not in the habit of doing it. So how can we prompt that behavior and make sure that they're clear on the expectation or mm -hmm. help them have good processes in place that make things easier for them? So it still comes back to arranging the environment in a way that gets the best behavior out of the students by getting the best performance out of the educators. Yeah, it's about the environment. That's a great I, that's a great place for us to maybe take a little sidebar yeah. and maybe for a new educator or we have folks that tune into our podcast who are family members that are maybe just craving information that will help them in their uh, in supporting their, their student at home. We're using the word environment a lot mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you could kind of unpack the way that we are framing that word environment in this conversation of behavior um, because it's not just maybe the size of a room right. or the color of a poster that we put on it, right? right? Environment, it means a bigger, bigger scale of things here. Could you unpack that for us? Yeah, so let's, let's, let's think about it through a systems lens, right? The environment. So I want everybody like listening to this to think about if you were out driving somewhere and there were car accidents everywhere and the cops were out there and they were, they were giving people tickets and they were sending them to driving school uh, some they were suspending their license, and there are a few that they're even sending to jail. But then when you zoomed out, you realize that the environment wasn't maintaining the best driving behavior. Like there were no rules of the road. There were no lines in the road that 
told you to stay on this side versus that side. There was no green light, yellow light, red light, no stop signs, no yield signs. When you arrange the environment correctly, right, that's all part of the things that the stimulus in our own environment, there's things around us, we can make sure that we're getting the best behavior out of people. But if you don't arrange it correctly, then we don't. When a student behaves, the teacher in any way, whatever they do, the teacher is a very important part of that environment. They can say in different ways that you're doing a great job, keep doing that, right? We want to reinforce that behavior. Or if they misbehave, right? Maybe they're misbehaving because another student, you know, yell at them. Well, that student is part of their environment and it might be an antecedent to their behavior. And they respond in a way that's worked for them, like maybe by yelling back, you know? Mm -hmm. So that student has now triggered the behavior of this other student. Well, how can we adjust that environment to reduce the likelihood that that will happen in the future, but also teach that student how to respond to these environmental changes in a way that's appropriate to the conditions. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me, yeah. Anika. And then also, you know, in that environment, there are potentially lots of activities and things that are going on. That environment has to have a system to make it run. So within that system, you have these activities, and those activities have expectations, and they have procedures, and those things have to be taught. So whether you're talking about a classroom and thinking about all the activities of that classroom, you know, how students are going to turn in papers, how they enter the room, how they put their materials away, how they line up for lunch, all of those things that make up the classroom, all those activities need processes, they need procedures, they need expectations. And not only do those things need expectations, they need to be taught, right? Yeah. And they need to be reinforced and given feedback. A lot, a lot of people outside of the field think teaching is telling, but you might tell the expectation at first, but the real teaching occurs when you observe, reinforce, and correct it. And to correct it in a way that's helpful, not harmful. Now, one of the most important parts of the environment, we would like to say is that it, when teachers create engaging work that's just a little bit challenging for the students, that's where you get some of the best behaviors. Yeah. Right? Because if students aren't engaged in the work, they're going to figure out something to be engaged in. You think about if you've ever been to a training or a talk and you were just bored stiff, you think about your laundry list or all the things that you want to do to get out of here and you don't want to come back there. Right. But when you're engaged Same in it, students. your behavior is focused there, right? Your attention is going in that direction. And this is really important for teachers to have good lesson plans that help students understand the why and create activities for them that pull them in because that is where you're going to get the best behavior and the best learning. Because in the end, we're wanting them to behave in a way that produces learning outcomes, right? Remember, we talked about results and behavior. Learning is behavior, right? Doing those math problems and producing the outcome of getting the math problem right or the reading, all these things. And we want that outcome to be reinforcing the students or something that makes them want to do it again and again and again. You know, problem behavior is incompatible with engagement. So if you have a student on task, engage, having fun, right, learning, it's incompatible with problem behavior. You know, you see a lot of problem behavior when, you know, there's a lot of downtime or it's unstructured. Students don't know what to do. And that's where you're going to get that problem behavior. So keeping students on task and how you do that with the engagement, asking good questions, um, giving them choices, all of those things help foster engagement. We, we see it, we have to practice what we preach a lot. So we give, you know, trainings all over the country and we, we really want engagement. But here's where you can tell if somebody's not engaged and you <laughs> might've been there and part of this. People are on their phone, right? They've got their computer out. Thank they're you. kind of leaning back, they're yawning a lot, as opposed to people leaning forward and looking at you 
and taking notes, right? It's very clear to us when we can see if somebody's not engaged, and which means for an adult, that's kind of like misbehavior, right? But we're not going to go yell at the adult and say, I need your attention. You're not looking at this. Can you imagine that? Somebody calling you out and embarrassing you that way? And unfortunately, this happens in classrooms too often for teachers who have not been trained well mm -hmm. in behavioral classroom management. And most teachers are not trained well. The last we looked, only one out of three universities is even trained, uh, providing any sort of formal training in classroom management. Yet most teachers leaving the field are claiming issues with behavior problems, behavior problems with the students and behavior problems with the school leaders. This is one of the reasons we've written our books is because we want to help school leaders engage in the right behavior that brings out the best behavior and performance out of the teachers so they can bring the best out of the students. Mm -hmm. And all that behavior is it's like a little formative assessment. If you know a student you can tell is off task or not engaged, whatever that behavior looks like, then the student needs to do something differently in that moment. What can they do? And so often what we do, if we see if there's any little, we say, oh, all right, maybe we need to get them up and moving. And so we'll engage them in some activity that gets them up and moving. We're gonna change the environment, right? And so that brings up engagement. And then, okay, now we've refocused and we're back on task. You have just given a laundry list of some real quick tips and strategies talking about engagement and engagement as part of the learning environment. But I wanna take a, a pause and phrase that back so that if people were maybe distracted or in their car, they're like, wait, 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 did, they, did I miss the good stuff? Just to kind of recap, or if there are a few other like important nuggets about how, what should teachers consider or what are those starting points for them to consider about preventing those problem behaviors and really expanding on supporting and nurturing those uh, behaviors that lead us to success. I, I got you. I know Nika's yeah. going to wrap this up, right? So <laughs> number one. Oh, we're not wrapping up. Yeah. This is just, this is like the, yeah. you know, yeah. The one big explosion in the action movie, then you realize we're only 20 minutes <laughs> in. There's still the rest of the movie. Right. Well, we, we really talk about, you know, and I know for behavior analysts, you know, working with learners maybe outside of school or you're working with learners inside school, you know, with teachers, with other adults, we talk about building rapport and pairing with people. And that's one of the first things, right? Those are one of the first strategies is building those relationships and understanding. So, you know, for a school teacher who has new students coming into her classroom, we might be standing out outside in the front door and greeting the students when they walk in. That's a big one. It is a big one. Can you imagine working in an organization and their leader, your leader walked by you and didn't say a word to you, right? Or only said something to you if you were not performing to a standard. And None of us are performing the best all the time, right? So you're not going to want that leader around you. So that's about establishing yourself as a reinforcer. Then there's just the things that we we're talking about, having engaging lessons right fun lessons things that the students understand the why of now and the why of later on how it ties into something of values for them which it's important to understand what the students value having clear expectations for the different activities and transitions like very pinpointed mm -hmm. how loud can you talk when can you talk who can you talk to uh, can you get out of your seat? Can you sharpen your pencil? You know, mm -hmm. can you go to the bathroom? And different teachers have a different set of expectations. Mm -hmm. That's very important. Once you've outlined those expectations, now you've got to teach it to the students, right? And then you've got to reinforce it. So you need to understand how to reinforce behavior. And you also need to understand how to correct behavior. And a lot of teachers are not trained on how to correct behavior. They, they let a lot of misbehavior go, especially mm -hmm. small behavior. That escalates into larger behavior yeah, challenges. It really does. And it spreads, it has a ripple effect because they're not equipped with the tools and they need the tools. The problem with 
using corrective tools is that people tend to go to it very quickly right. because they see it work and we don't want that. We want to have a positive culture loop, positive environment. So what we say is, and what the research says is, go to four to ones, right? Recognizing appropriate behavior, having good interactions, four times as much as you're having a corrective interaction. But make sure that you're not aversive with that corrective action. Do it in a way that's helping, not hurting. We have a saying that one lie can do undo a thousand truths. You've heard that saying before, but one coercive interaction can undo a thousand positive ones. So we got to make sure that we're not hurting the kids that we're not hurting relationships with them we have to maintain them treat treat maintain respect in there treat them safely you know and we want the same thing happening with the school leaders mm -hmm. with the teachers and up the chain and if they're not performing to the standard so if they're not engaging the correct behavior well that just means you need to teach them what it is that you need them to do so just to um circle back on that and um especially like i said if folks heard that but we're like wait wait that four to one maintaining that four positive and reinforcement positive reinforcement to the one corrective correct mm -hmm. that's right okay that's right it's like i see you and i'm like hey how's your day doing you know i Thanks. like those shoes very cool Thanks. you know <laughs> you know and then you're going man you're doing great thanks for raising your hand I for love that the way you're on yeah four. and then like you get out of your seat and i say you know what Figuring out your seat. Maybe it's brand new. You know, you say it's that. All right, well, I need you to have a seat. You know, make sure you raise your hand next time. And I just corrected your behavior. I did it in a way that's not harmful, as opposed to saying, I need you to sit down. How many times have I told you, you know not to get out of your seat? Is. Right. Aww. And that creates an aversive situation. Right. And now the teacher becomes somebody that students do not like or do not enjoy to be around. And some students will actually misbehave just to upset the person just because that becomes a reinforcement. Get that reaction. Yeah. yeah. So Austin, you just gave so many little, those quick little being examples, right? Of four isn't the, four is the minimum, not that's the me. maximum, that's, right? That's right? The more you can positively reinforce, the, yeah. the better we all feel. Yeah. And when you, when you just gave that example of asking me to sit back down, it didn't feel like a big, scary, all capital letter correction. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, oops. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, I just forgot. That. Yeah, it's like okay, I just, no I just needed a yeah. tissue. I, yeah. I'm sorry, I should have, yeah. yeah no so right. that just having that rapport from, from the beginning, mm -hmm. making sure that you are maximizing the number of positive reinforcements, mm -hmm. you can filter in those kind of little quick checks or formatives, right, as needed. Truly, yeah. Yeah. and if it doesn't become as aversive. No. You know. So thinking about that um, and connecting, and you've already alluded to this, and, and maybe for some of our teachers, it's just a, a big hug in a podcast is that <laughs> it's not, it's not just about the teachers, right? Well, first we moved away from like, it's not just about the students and the students' behavior, it's about their teachers. Mm -hmm. But you even took it to the next level and you said it's about our leaders. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yay, like, right? Like, okay, so in times of need, as a teacher who's struggling, maybe it's not just something that falls on me or let's spin it more positively, at the beginning of the school year, it still does not fall on me as one classroom teacher to make sure that the environment is welcoming and supportive and safe. It also depends on our leaders. Can you address some of that? Oh boy. Yeah, yeah I so, know, we've, we go. you've got a flight to catch in a little bit, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, this is where we hang our hat on, right? So if we look at behavior and this interlocking behavior, um, we have to look at, all right, if we're all, everybody in education is trying to produce a result, right? Whether it's, you know, reading achievement scores or math achievement scores or it's reducing suspensions, right? All right, so what do we need the student's behavior to, what, what do we need them to engage in? And of course, now what do we gotta, what do we need the teachers to do? Now we look at teachers and say, well, they're responsible for student behavior, right? But who's responsible for teacher behavior? 
So we got to go up the chain. So when I'm a, I'm a professional fight coach, right? When my fighters lose, I think about what do I need to do more or less or differently that's going to improve them. A coach thinks the same thing, like my mm -hmm. team lost. What do I need to do? So the teacher should think about their classroom as like their team, right? I like to frame it that way. Mm -hmm. And the school leader needs to think about their teachers as their team. Mm -hmm. So if their teachers aren't performing to a standard, why? And what do I need to do more or less or differently? Especially if we're getting lots of teachers not performing to a standard. That would usually mean there's some sort of uh, systems issue in there. And still, it's going to come down to a can't do versus a won't do. If it's a can't do, as a leader, I need to create an environment that provides educational opportunities for my teachers. If it's a won't do, I need to create an environment that motivates my right. teachers, right? I got to do engaging behavior that has a value and behavioral altering effect that's inspiring to them and making sure that we get their behavior moving forward, but then also get their behavior in touch with consequences that maintain it because we know all behavior occurs because it's being reinforced because the consequences that it produces. So if, if I can get the teacher to behave well enough and long enough, they see that the kids are learning more, they're on task more, their job has gotten a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. That's getting them in touch with naturally occurring positive reinforcement. The teachers are going to do it whether you're there or not. But if I That's use aversives to drive their behavior and I use fear of consequences, they're going to do only enough to get by and just That's when it. the school leader is looking. The same way with the classroom leader, the teacher is working with the students. So these aversives don't work. They win the battle, but they lose the war over time. And good leaders, classroom leaders, and school leaders create that kind of environment. So how, what, I mean, it's easy to rattle off some of those ideas for a classroom teacher to use. What does that look like at the school leader level, mm -hmm. right? So they're, are they, I mean, are they the same or are there different approaches that they should be taking? It's being very present. And so some of the things, you know, some feedback we've heard from, you know, from teachers and, you know, um, that having the leader present being you know available being in the hallway saying hello saying good morning asking about their weekend you know all those things the same behaviors that we would engage in with students same for teachers for the leaders to engage in with the teachers and so it's all about again it's building those those relationships and finding out involving them including them asking what's important you know for them to them what do they value what are our co collective and shared values as as a team right, as a team. And so including your teachers, your staff, so those leaders, including their teachers and staff in, you know, in initiatives, you know, what do you think, what, what do we want to tackle here? What would be important for us to change? What would you like to see? And including them and involving them is very important. We don't do things to people, we do things with people. I'm glad you asked if it was the same because it is the same. Mm -hmm. Classroom management, for example, right, we set expectations, we set goals with with the students, we now teach them, make sure they have the skills to engage in the behavior, we reinforce, we correct it, we make sure there's processes and routines in place. It's mm -hmm. the same thing if we zoom out, right? We're making sure we're establishing ourselves as a positive reinforcer. That's what we want the leaders to do. Leaders just need to zoom out more and make sure they're interlocking the behavior. Student behavior, teach behavior, educational support behavior, their behavior, and district leadership. We make, gotta make sure district leaders are engaging good behavior that supports the uh, leader behavior. Now, one thing that she just mentioned, which is critical, is making sure that we involve the stakeholders, right? And I think we all agree that relationships are important. But here's what we want to say to that, and, and we're, we're, we speak about this often. If relationships are important and finding out, and if stakeholders are important, we need to check in with them, right? And we check in with them at the end of the year with a climate survey, and it's an autopsy. It's not enough, right? Can't change it's too any late. behavior then. Right. <laughs> right. What are you going to do? It, so we need to check in with them and respond to their wants and needs. Teachers should be doing it with students. 
school leaders should be doing with teachers. Mm -hmm. District leaders should be doing with school leaders, but we have to do it in a way that's anonymous and that data should be used to respond to the stakeholders and use the coach, the leader, never yeah, to, punish to punish them, to help them to say, all right, here's what's going well, and here's some areas that we can work on to coach you up. Now we've got lots of positive reinforcement going to improve performance towards a desired result. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it make good sense? It does. You know, there seem like those little ahas, like, well, yeah, that, that just seems obvious, but I think maybe sometimes in the throes of everything or, you know, back to school planning, you're, you're looking at your roster, oh, yeah. your brain just gets overwhelmed. And then you're in the middle of the school year and I don't know, maybe I haven't seen my principal in a while, or maybe there's, uh, you know, a, an urgent need in another building and it's all hands on deck. So sometimes I think what we lose sight of is the everyday little things that we, yeah. we can control. Do you have any advice or tips for, for our educators and our, and our leaders in those, one, to be maybe mindful if that seems like it is getting out of hand or like they're losing sight of what they know is good practice. And once they are able to say, okay, warning, warning, to start to backtrack into what they know with the evidence-based practices. Because I feel like we can talk about these and we're like, yeah, 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 I, I can do that. I know I build rapport. I, I've been practicing this. But sometimes some life doesn't go like we plan. Uh -huh. And the warning signals are there, but we still don't know how to respond in that kind of emergency situation. Yeah. And so I think it, you know, it goes back to, you know, what are our shared values? What's, our, what's important to us um, as a team, as a, as, a, as a school, as a culture? What's our, what's our culture? What are our values? And, and so I think, you know, reflecting back on that, and you know, understanding. Okay, here's here's what we value. Here's what's important to us. We value you know safety. We value helping children. Learning. We value learning. All of those things. Okay, and then what are those things that that show up for us? You know, and kind of moving us away from our values. So those kind of crummy thoughts and feelings that show up in our that little voice that talks to us and say, you know, I can't do this. You know, I'm I'm defeated. This is too hard. I want to quit. And all of those, you know, all of those thoughts and feelings that show up that then, you know, people engage in unproductive behavior. So those behaviors that lead you away from your values. And, you know, there are things like avoidance. So instead of, you know, maybe showing up to work, you call out sick. Um, maybe it's, you know, not dealing with, you know, um, certain work or not planning or preparing, you know, for the things for the next day, for the school, for that learner. Or yelling instead or yelling of like, using positive instead reinforcement. Instead of, you know, using positive reinforcement, exactly. And so, you know, what can we do instead? And so when we notice that we're feeling that way, we notice those thoughts and feelings show up, and before we engage in those unproductive or problematic behavior that moves us away from our goals, we have a choice. And we can engage in committed behavior, committed actions that are going to pull us closer to what we value, which is, you know, learning, you know, safety, um, a positive culture, building relationships, all of those things, whatever those collective and shared values are. So it might be things like asking for help, you know, um, you know, reaching out, uh, 
finding out, you know, some tools, some things that you could do instead, um, correcting, or not correcting, I'm sorry, um, positive interaction, so making sure you're sticking to those four to ones or more than four to ones. Um, so all of those things are committed behaviors that somebody can engage in that's going to move them closer to what they value and get them in touch with those values. And I think to go back to what you said before about awareness, this is about awareness, right? Yeah. It's awareness about our behaviors and the impact of our behaviors on the environment. Our covert behaviors, those thoughts we engage in. Those thoughts. Our overt behaviors that allow us to escape those thoughts, but now is, are those behaviors in alignment? Being aware, are they aligned with our values? And again, being able to engage in the replacement behaviors. behaviors. And the replacement behaviors were the things that we were talking about earlier. Setting expectation, positive reinforcing yes. behavior, correcting in a way that's not harmful and hurtful. But part of being aware and helping create self-awareness is getting the feedback from the stakeholders, right? That's we right. need to have some sort of metric and feedback to let us know if we're going in the right direction. Because people, as I said earlier, I think I said earlier, people tend to be poor observers of their behavior, <laughs> poor observers of the impact of their behavior on the environment, and poor observers of the impact of the environment on the, their behavior. So we need some sort of metric to help us with that to make sure we're in line. That's why we believe a lot in these social validity surveys, these climate surveys, but not given at the end of the year. If it's a turnaround situation, Give them weekly. We, we trained one of the, the folks in here, read one of her books, and she was giving surveys weekly. She said at first people weren't doing them, but then she was acting on them. They got buy-in, and she could respond because sometimes we don't understand how it's impacting people, or sometimes they got a great idea, and we can find out and move towards that. But at a minimum, we believe like these surveys should be given out quarterly. They should be part of states, not just state testing. So don't we think it's important to know how people are feeling in school? Things, Do they right? feel safe, oh. cared for, supported? You know, <laughs> yeah. that should be a grade as well. And if we measured it, we could move behavior performance. Mm -hmm. We might start to get a more of a positive culture or be able to solve some of the problems. Right, in the moment, you know, very, you know, quickly, more than, you know, at the end of the year. It's the end of the year, you can't do anything. Right. Yeah. I love that. And, the you know, the more that you all share about that, I'm just, you know, in the, in my mind's eye, I see that reflective and uh, that, that teacher who is not only handling that for themselves in their classroom, but maybe modeling it for their students. Yes. But at going upwards, having, you know, with those culture surveys and productive conversations that being modeled and reproduced. Yes. And like you said, it all links together. Yep. And if we, the more that we all know how that works and are not only mindful about it, but have that as part of our discourse yes. and our shared values it and engaging our students in that absolutely then things are really working all in gear that's, right that's just all how we accelerate performance to yep. achieve results yeah so i have to say thank you again both polly and Ika. it's been truly an honor i know you have tons of resources that you've shared with uh with other folks uh within our organization and as much as possible we are going to link out everything awesome. on our show notes and I want to be mindful to point those out. Uh, Polly and Anika's information is available in the show notes, as well as direct links to the patent website where you can find tons of uh, resources, strategies, and more professional learning opportunities using some of the evidence-based strategies and the behavioral science that we've discussed today. See? <laughs> Check those show notes. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to our producer today, John Ragsdale, who helps us uh, make all of this learning happen. Uh, and to our viewers and our listeners uh, and our audience members, no matter what format you're accessing this, we are so glad that you're learning alongside with us. And we hope that you join us back at Patent Pod very soon. Thanks. Thanks, y'all.
Thank <laughs> you.